music, news, interviews, live events, and more. Welcome to the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Hey, it's Matt Pinfield, and this is the Hivecast on MTVHive.com and iTunes. And uh, I'm here with Greg Dooley of the Afghan Wigs. Greg, it's so good to see you, man. Hi, Matt. Great to see you, too. You know, it's uh, great to have the Afghan Wigs back together. And uh, tell me how that ended up happening. Did you get a call from John or Rick or the guys, or did you just decide? We've always pretty much been in touch. I had not talked to Rick in a few years, but John and I are, have been in touch since we were 20 years old. So I think uh, really the best way to explain it, it was I went on, a, on an acoustic tour about a year and a half ago. And uh, John joined me in Cincinnati, and then we had a great time. He'd played with me in Cincinnati before, but he jumped in the car and went up to Chicago with us, and that was the first time we played out of town. And that went really, really well, and I asked him to come play the West Coast with me. And uh, um, it was great to play. I hadn't played those songs in a long time, and, and I hadn't played on stage with my friend in a long time. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was you know somebody that I grew up with. So then I went on the Twilight Singers tour, and uh, I saw Rick for the first time in three years. Had a day off in Minneapolis where he lives and uh, saw him. And that was a, a great time, too. And I, I had started thinking about maybe playing with those guys again. Then didn't say anything. And then uh, um, when Barry Hogan called to ask us to play the, uh, the I'll Be Your Mirror uh, event, he'd asked before and I had said no this time I I considered it because of what I just explained, and, and basically it was kind of a perfect storm. So, you know, we got together two days after Thanksgiving and played for a few days. Where did you get together? Did you get in, together in New, in New Orleans? In New Orleans, yeah, one of the places that you yeah. lived there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we could have played a gig that after the first night. I mean, r really, it was you know we have an unspoken thing, and I think a lot of people who play together and grow up together, you know, you have sort of an ESP. Um, and uh, there it was. So uh, we'll see what happens on Wednesday. Uh, it's very exciting that you guys are out and playing again. You're also curating uh, one of the All Tomorrow's Parties nights. Now, mm -hmm. is that going to be in New Jersey this year? I think so, yeah. And tell me about that. You were As, as Asbury Park. So I was asked to do that. And um, I put together like a, a, a very large list. And uh, Barry helped me get through it. And I think we've got a pretty uh, stellar lineup who's on that lineup right now um right now uh, the roots louis ck vetiver the dirt bombs uh mark lanigan uh sharon van etten the antlers charles bradley raining sound after hours joseph arthur I know I've got to be missing somebody, but it's sounds it, like a great day of yeah, music, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Godspeed, uh, you Black Emperor, also playing. Philip Glass is playing as well. So, well, that's going to be cool. It's a fairly diverse lineup as well. Tell me about growing up in the, uh, the Cincinnati area, Greg. Were, did you grow up in Cincinnati proper, or was it a town? <clears throat> I grew I grew up twenty five miles outside Cincinnati in a town called Hamilton, Ohio, uh, working class city that had a uh, kind of. Uh, Great prohibition history. It was it was used as an uh, an outpost for the the Chicago mafia, uh, running booze through uh, Southern Ohio and down into Kentucky. So uh, its proximity. I grew up right by the Great Miami River, which is a tributary to the Ohio River, and I uh, um, you know had a pretty great Midwestern upbringing. You know, and then moved to Cincinnati to go to college. 
Now you grew up. Uh, your mom had a lot of like old Motown and soul records and things like the Beatles and Stones. Is that what you were listening to? My mom. Well, yeah, my my mom was you know a senior in high school when I showed up. So uh, you know, like any seventeen, eighteen year old girl, she had a pretty good record collection and passed it on to me. I got to you know we listened to AM radio all the time. My interest in music was I I was able to explore it pretty thoroughly. Had great neighbors, older kids who, you know, had Zeppelin and ACDC and, you know, hard rock records that, you know, I, uh, that, that I got to listen to a lot of country music, uh, in, in that area as well. And we had neighbors across the street who had, uh, bluegrass hootenannies every like Saturday afternoon in their garage. That was, you know, pretty phenomenal too. So, I, I mean, I, I grew up around a lot of music and absorbed a lot. So when did the Afghan Wigs actually end up starting? Was it after you came back from your first living in L.A.? You lived out there for about nine months the first time. I, li- right? I, lived, I moved to L.A. in, oh, ni- you in 19, 19, yeah. 19 years old. And uh, I was out there uh, summer, fall, winter of 84, and then moved back. And then when I moved back, that's when I started the Black Republicans and then at the end of the Black Republicans, John Curley joined that band. And then I moved to Arizona. And then I came back in 86. And that's we started the Afghan Wigs in the Halloween of 86. So what were the things that brought you out to California and Arizona? Good weather? Was good, it- good, good weather. And I just, you know, I mean, I, I, I've always had a wanderlust and, uh, always been interested in the west you know it just it, it was so far away and kind of exotic and mystical i i wanted to go out and check it out so you ended up working at uh, tower records the famous tower records on sunset i, work, I worked at, i worked at tower sunset during the the height of hair metal so the whole strip there must have been pretty insane at that period yeah time, right? yeah it was you know i mean i i saw because there was also a lot of you know the dream syndicate were playing then too rain parade Plimsolls. A lot of the psychedelic. Yeah, the Chili Peppers had started, and and I saw them early on as well. So, uh, um, what is this? Alan Johannes's band was yeah. was going on then too. Now you playing with Mark Lanigan on that new record, right? I do. Yeah. Music, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is me. So I mean, but uh, he's on it as well. Didn't he write a lot of the musical? Mark Alan produced it and plays yeah. most of the instruments, and Al- Alan's a genius. You know, like, yeah. I mean, really. I try not to use that word too much, but he actually is one. Yeah, so. for those people might remember that he used to be in the band Eleven. That yes. was his band. Mm-hmm. Also played with Chris Cornell and a bunch of other people. Yeah, and well. uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Yes, yeah, Queens well. of the Stone Age. Yeah. And, uh, and and the, the, the Crooked Vultures. Crooked Vultures I still play well. live yeah, them, which is exactly. Cool. So then you moved back, and then you started the Wigs. What was it like starting out in Cincinnati? Was there were there clubs to play? There were, there? Cl- there were clubs to play, and the interesting thing about the fortuitous thing living there was it was a great satellite area because we could play Louisville and Lexington, Kentucky. We'd play Morgantown, West Virginia. We'd play Bloomington and Indianapolis, Chicago, Detroit, Grand Rapids, Cleveland, Columbus, Athens, Ohio, um, Pittsburgh, uh, Champaign, Illinois, St. Louis, a lot of things in a 300 mile radius where we could just kind of shoot out and, and play and we play play you know we'd, we'd just go everywhere and play 
You know? Yeah, because of that circular yeah. area there in the yeah. Midwest. Mm-hmm. And what was uh, was a college radio that supported you earlier on? Was it? Uh... I mean, we got played on local college radio, and then we'd go to other towns and uh, play, uh, you know, benefit nights and things like that. One one of our uh, uh, two of the things that I remember really kind of getting us going, we'd play Rock Against Depression in uh, Chicago at the Metro. Joe Shanahan, who owns the Metro, has been one of our longest supporters ever. Really nice guy, Joe. And then we'd pass up, we'd play like Madison, Wisconsin, and then go up and play uh, the Uptown in uh, Minneapolis. And uh, this woman, Maggie McPherson, ran the Uptown. Uh, Peter Jesperson, who managed the replacements, also was uh, in on that as well. And uh, But Lori Barbero, who later became the drummer of uh, Babes in Toyland. She was a bartender there, and she she was a big supporter of ours as well and got us up there. So there was a, I mean, rock and roll is always very communal, and we were lucky to meet some of the greatest people that I've ever known. Our tour manager to this very day is a guy named Scotty Halter who ran a club in Louisville called Tooligans, and, uh, you know, and, and later worked at a, a San Francisco booking agent called Bulging Eye who, who booked everyone. It's amazing that mm-hmm. you think back about all the friends that you made over the years. How did the sub pop deal uh, come about? Well, the sub pop deal came. The the fluid uh, from Denver were playing Tooligans in Louisville, and Scotty was playing our uh, latest demo that we had, and uh, uh, John Robinson and Garrett Chavlik from the Fluid heard that, liked it. And uh, got a copy of it and sent it to Jonathan Poneman, who heard it. And I got a call from Jonathan, you know, and said, do you want to do a single? And uh, we said yes. And then we did the single. We went out in Seattle and played. And uh, after the gig, they offered us a, a record deal. And we said yes. It's amazing looking back on mm-hmm. that it's been that long. Now, one of the things um, that was interesting, speaking of uh, Sub Papa's, when you came to visit me at uh, WHTG in Asbury Park around the time of Gentleman, that was actually the day that we found out uh, about Kurt Cobain's suicide, and you guys were label mates there. And I, re- I just remember the look on your face when you found out it was real, that it was when you walked into the studio that day. It was a pretty incredible, emotional day. I mean, a- anytime something that, that sad happens, that it happened to a really talented and great guy, and uh, and most importantly, a fa- you know the father of a of a young child. You know that was really especially sad. But uh, I mean, you know, he was. You know, I knew him. When 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 you know somebody and and respect them, it hit pretty hard. I mean, it hit everybody in our generation. Generation you know, kind of yeah. kind of hard. It absolutely know? did. You and I went on. We talked about him for a while, um, and then we went and the gentleman. And then we ended by playing. Nirvana song because it was something we couldn't ignore at that, at yeah, that point in time. You know, absolutely it, not. Now, uh, obviously, Congregation was such a great record, and that was one of the things I remember playing on the radio back then, playing Conjure Me and some of the other songs on the record. Uh, tell me about that record. It was a big turning point. That record for me was the record that we became the Afghan Wigs, you know, that we were trying to become. I think we became comfortable in our own skin. I certainly did as a songwriter. Uh, I liked a lot of styles of music, and I started to mash them together. You know, I mean, I liked country, country blues. I liked soul music. I liked heavy metal. I liked punk rock. I liked, you know, I felt a lot more free to explore 
all this. We did a cover of uh, the Temple from Jesus Christ Superstar. I mean, yeah. that that raised some <laughs> eyebrows at Sub Pop. I can assure you, <laughs> you know. But uh, it was, you know, I mean, uh, but that I mean that was the record that I feel like you know, I kind of set myself free, and I and and we began the interpretations there as well. That's when we did My World Is Empty Without You, the Supremes cover that we put as the B-side to uh, to Conjure Me, and that record ended up getting played over in, in England and uh, and doing really well, so well that it became, they flipped it and it became the A-side. So, Which was a four-track um, recording you did of the four, a four track A four-track recording done in like a bedroom. And it's incredible because it has such a great darkness to the that performance mm, thank on that you. track, just the way that uh, the way that one really works. So it's I can understand why. Well, both sides of that were great. I've never told anybody this before, but I kind of lifted the musical idea from uh, "Man Eater" by Hall and Oates. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, you mean because it's got that bass like that? Yeah, right? it's the pump. It's the it's the man eater pump. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's got that feel. Yeah, but then you 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 laid your vocal over it mm-hmm. with a. Uh, with the Supremes track, which is great. I know that you were trying to get and the... you, sir, know Daryl Hall. <laughs> Talking about myself, not you. <laughs> not you, Matt. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is funny, Greg. But it's great, though. I mean, it came out fantastic. Gentleman was an incredible record, too. I felt That felt like an amazing concept record to me. It was one of those records you listen to start to finish. Incredible lyrics. About, it, there's a lot of struggle in that record. That's a 26 or 27 year old guy, you know, figuring out who who he is. You know, I mean, I I feel really fortunate to have been to be a chronicler of my own life, you know, and that I can go back and I mean, it really is like emotional anthropology. What I'm doing now, you know, setting about to do uh, to go back and, and sing songs that I sung and wrote a long time ago even as I continued to write and record along the way. But uh, I have great affection for the not only the material, but for the person who, who wrote the material. Right, because you know, you're know you in such a different place at that period of time. Yeah. And um, But, I mean, it came out, the songs, there's so many great tracks there. I, I, <laughs> I would not be doing this if I didn't believe in the material that I'm about to perform. Now you'll be doing stuff from Black Love, the next album as well, right? Yeah. Black Love is is more than well represented. It was interesting to see the uh, collective... Like playlist or... Uh, well, yeah, just the, uh, the, the, three, the, the three of us, when we started to collaborate on the set list, it was, you know, we all kind of gravitated to Black Love in a strange way. And I, and I think that was the record that, you know, the three of us started the band and then we brought Steve Earle in and that was the first... As the, as the drummer, and that was the first record we did without Steve. And I think that was, you know, that was our Us Against the World record. Yeah. And uh, I think that's why that one kind of uh, really resonates for the three of us, yeah. you know. And uh, as time has gone by, I, I've I've become extra fond of it, you know. Yeah. Well, there's some great stuff on there, too, like and Hockey's Ladder and Going to Town, all those tracks. Yeah. Uh, so these sets, people are going to be really excited to see you doing all this, all this different stuff from all those. Well, we, yeah, I mean, we we're, we're not going to come out and play for four hours, you know. Yeah. But uh, we're certainly we've got a couple different set lists that we can play, and uh, you know, you got to start by picking one. So we've chosen one for Wednesday, and you know. And you go to Europe and you do uh, do it over there as yeah. well. 
Yeah. Are you doing festivals and things like that? Is We're that doing festivals and some uh, some theater shows too. Yeah, which so. would be great. Tell me about the new single "See and Don't See." And this uh, track. "See and Don't See" is a song by Marie Queenie Lyons, and uh, um, she made one record in 1970, and uh, it's a great record. She's she's sort of a sassy kind of uh, Lynn Collins kind of uh, Betty Davis kind of you know, soul singer. The, uh, the, the thing that always struck me about that song was that was the lyrics. I mean, she, you know, she sings the shit out of the song. I mean, it, it, do the song like Queenie Lyons did it. There was no, she already did it. And she yeah. did it better than anybody else is going to do it. But, uh, I'm always interested in the underlying feeling and, and the, the loneliness of the lyrics. And, uh, uh, I, that song, I've wanted to do that song for 20 years, but I couldn't find a way to unlock it. And in, in, in a similar way, I had wanted to do Black is the Color of My True Love's Hair, which I ended up doing like eight years ago. And it, that, I had wanted to do that since the 80s. And it took me that long. I always kept coming back to those songs, though. And once I unlocked it on what to do, uh, it was... Black is the Color is such a great song. Thank you. It's a great tune. <laughs> it's just an amazing song, but it, it, you know, I had to find the way to do it myself. You know, I love the the Nina Simone version, but aping someone else's version, I'm just not. You know, yeah. I, I, and there's I, been like bluegrass versions of it. Bluegrass versions, there. You know, I this mean, song's been done, yeah. yeah, like in so many different ways. But it's still there's something about it. But uh, um, so see and don't see was I started messing with it when we we got together in January. Uh, again, to just like run some things and, uh, we were sitting in the, in the studio and that recording is only the three of us. It's just me, John and Rick. We're the only three who play on it. So, uh, and, and that's why, uh, I chose to, to turn it loose. We, we, we had no great plan. We just decided to turn it loose like last week, like on a whim, really. Yeah. But we're going to do it in the show. And uh, I, I didn't want people to go, you know, what the fuck is that? Yeah. yeah. So here, here <laughs> you want to have some point of reference here, here, to here, here, here you yeah. go. You know. So. Now, are you thinking about doing a whole record and writing a new record with, with the Wigs? I have to get out there and see. You know, to I've learned by making grand pronouncements in the past, such as I'm never going to play with the Afghan Wigs again. You know, I I, I got to stop saying never or no or I won't or um, it's a wait and see. If it goes well there's we've done some things and we're planning on doing some more things we'll but you know we'll, we'll, it'll go as it goes you know yeah you'll go out there and see how, yeah. how people feel mm -hmm. but uh i know people are very excited to have you guys i'm excited i'm excited to be back and there's uh you know we're dropping a couple other uh covers along the way including wednesday night so yeah well um, we always look forward to those covers yeah there might be one happening that I don't even know yet. A lot of times they just kind of like pop out. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, I listen to music all the time and I'm always figuring out ways how I can horn in on somebody else's good time. So. Yeah. <laughs> some, well, usually it's up working for you, Greg, which, yeah. is, which is a cool thing. Um, now, you also uh, you, you do your Gutter Twins with, with Mark Lanigan. Mm -hmm. Twilight Singers is your other band. Mm -hmm. And you're actually, you do you some vocals on the new, or do you play on the new uh, Mark Lanigan album, Blues Funeral? I sing on a song called St. Louis Elegy. Yeah. And uh, um, Mark is... I mean, honestly, not and not just because he's my friend, but also especially because he's my friend. I, I just think 
he's one of the best singers I have ever heard and that I've ever heard ever, you know, in, in the history of singing. He just really is. I feel his music in my soul and that is what soul singers do. And yeah. I think he's one of the greatest singers who's ever lived. Yeah, he's got an amazing voice. And he's, he ends up doing stuff with Isabel Campbell and Soul Savers. People every people always want to have Mark Guest on their well, stuff. We, why, yeah. why would you not? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I mean, he's just... It's, it, and he's he's one of the best people who's ever lived. He's, he's really one of my best friends that, and, and one of the greatest guys I've ever known. It's amazing, yeah. All right, well, I just want to say we're, we're really looking forward to the, this tour, Greg. Uh, it's always great to see you. Always great to see you too, Matt. I, I, I saw you a year ago, and, you know, we, we got to make it, like, bi-yearly now. Yeah. Every time you're on tour, we'll do something. Well, I heard, I mean, it, talking to Patrick Keeler uh, last week, it was, uh, you know, and when you came up, it was the, the, that kind of like, again, there's the, there's the community, the yeah. sense of community. Yeah, yeah. He, Patrick's a good guy. He's a great guy. He's a great, great drummer. Greenhorns, Raconteurs. And he wanted to play with you guys. He just, he had to go out and do the Carano. He's with the Carano, yep. But, but uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's a long life, man. You never know yeah. what's going to happen. You really don't. But it was great to have you, Greg. Thank you, man. Thanks for coming by. You're Greg welcome. Dooley, Afghan Wigs. And you can definitely catch them on tour this summer when they get back from Europe. You've been listening to the Hivecast on MTVHive.com. Also available on iTunes. This has been the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. For all things music, news, interviews, live events, and more, go to mtvhive.com.